Welcome to the Inspired Leader, the podcast. I'm your host, Allie Stone. All of my life, I've been passionate about leadership. I've been a senior level leader in the hospitality industry since 2005, growing a chain of franchise restaurants from one unit to 12, spanning across Northern Alberta. And during that time, I've been on a journey to discover what leadership means to me and how I can utilize it to show up in my career and in my life. What I've found is that the most impactful, the most meaningful experiences that I've witnessed or been a part of as a leader have come when we connect with our hearts. Over the past decade or more, I've honed in on and refined a leadership model that speaks to this. I have developed numerous programs that help leaders deepen their understanding of the impact they can not only have on their careers, but also on the world around them. And now it's my mission to share this model of leadership through a heart-centered focus with the world. I'm the founder of The Inspired Leader, through which I mentor and coach leaders. I facilitate engaging and inspiring workshops that help you think outside of the box and connect with your heart and your emotions. And I also deliver keynote speeches to inspire and motivate teams to engage in their own personal leadership style in a way that's authentic to them. It's my hope that through these podcasts, you feel inspired to go out and challenge yourself to try new things as a leader, to show up in the world maybe just a little differently, and hopefully find a deeper connection with who you authentically are. Thank you for being here. Okay, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome to uh, the Inspired Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Allie Stone. And uh, excited to be here today. I have been uh, doing quite a few podcasts lately, and it's been really fun because I've been having incredible conversations with incredible people. And I have an incredible gentleman in front of me today that um, just has such an inspiring story. I've just I've just felt so grateful and so honored to have met, met him and get to know him and learn more about what he's doing. And he inspires me every time I talk to him. So Brad Barco, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you. The The feeling is mutual. It uh, just feels like we, we spoke yesterday because really we did. <laughs> or, or two days ago, I guess. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to be back and uh, blessed and privileged to to be in this space. Thank you. And so Brad, you are the owner of... Um, uh, Disability Accessible by Design, which is a company that helps other companies um, understand what they can do to be more accessible for all disabilities. Um, and you're an advocate for people with all disabilities. And I think this is a really important, um, really important work. Like, I, do you know anybody else that does anything like this? Are there other we are, consultants? Uh, we are the first of its kind being that I am actually disabled and running a disability business. Uh, so we're we're the first of its kind in terms of an actual disability consultant. Now, there's other people with disabilities doing, uh, there, there's a girl in Toronto doing like restaurant reviews. Um, she's obviously got a different take and a different spin on things. Um, I, I don't necessarily agree with the way she goes about things because um, it's all about let's let's slander the company, slander the company, and then you know, hopefully stuff gets done. And, I don't like that. So, uh, yeah, we are the first of its kind. Um, I, I'm I'm blessed and privileged to be able to, you know, kind of really hone and and, and cherish something like that. That means the world to me. 
um, to really put my community on my back and, uh, and pave the way for not only my generation, but for the generation that comes after me and, and future generations and so on and so on. Totally. It has so much impact. So let me ask you this. Have you always been an entrepreneur? Has this always been in your heart? Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, Gally, I, I didn't think I was going to be. Um, for me, as you can tell, the, I don't know if you're, if you can see or, or just audio, but I got a bunch of jerseys behind me and I'm a, I'm a massive sports guy. And um, for me, I want to be the first disabled sports broadcaster to call a game. Mm. Um, so, so it wasn't necessarily entrepreneurship. I wanted to, to be in the radio and TV industry. And I, I went and did that. I went to college for that. But I soon realized jumping around from small town to small town to small town, living out of a suitcase, you know, still having surgeries. I need to be close to doctors, getting married as well, the tail end of my college career, that I, I, I couldn't necessarily do that. So uh, being from Alberta and, and an Edmonton boy, I couldn't also grab a shovel and go up to Fort Mac and make the hundred grand a year like everybody else does. That's just not something I could do. So entrepreneurship really came into my life very early at, at 21. My dad's run a business for you know a very long time and super successful. Um, and, and there's a couple other family members. And I, I said, why not? Let's try it. So we talked about this a couple of days ago, but I started in the financial field running my own business. I built a book of business. That was fantastic. It was great. I did that for eight years, almost nine years. Um, and, and I loved helping people. I loved actually helping people, not just selling products to sell products. I actually helped people to actually get ahead and move forward. And then as I, as I talked about a couple of days ago, when COVID hit, I really started to shift and the fire wasn't there anymore. And I wanted something, something bigger and something better. And I looked at my disabled community, really left out in the cold and really no voice. And uh, we said, you know what? It's time to turn up the heat and, uh, and it's time to, to yell at the rooftop and give them a voice. And hence, Disability Accessible by Design. I'm not sure uh, if you can see the see the T-shirt. This is a, the company shirt as well. It's oh, nice. ABD. And um, yeah, it's, I'm, I, I really consider myself blessed and, and honored to be in the position that I am. It's, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. But uh, anything worth having is is not easy, and we're we're going to continue to chip away and and do what we need to do to to hopefully uh, my 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 end goal for me is to have a world that is truly inclusive and to look back and say you know what Brad we Brad and Jen or my entire team or whatever we had a massive part in in doing that and 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 paving the way and you know something really stood out to me when I started I was having conversations. And, and really just pounding that and getting in front of people and, and, and not indirectly, but not on purpose, shoving it, you know, in people's faces and getting it down the throats and, and showing them numbers. And, and this is what needs to happen. And this is how I can help you. And this is where we come together. It's we before me. Um, you know, it, it, it really, it really started to, to hit and um, we, we, we found a home and this is, this is where we are and this is where we want to be. And, and, uh, the, I think it's come up a few times, but I had a lady tell me that I was the modern day version of Martin Luther King, that I, I'm not quite there. Martin Luther King marched and, and did all that stuff and, and created this movement. And, and it's something that we're talking about decades after he's been gone. And you look at Martin Luther King started with I had a dream and then he 
you know, spoke it and spoke it and spoke it. And then enough people jumped on that train and created a movement. And uh, that, that's exactly really where, where we started with the dream to have a more inclusive and more accessible world, not just for me, but for, you know, the 2 billion disabled people in the world and to have a bigger voice. And we're just hoping now that enough people jump on board and see the mission, see the vision and, uh, and create a, a, you know, a generational movement and start to really move the needle. So I know that that dream is huge for you <laughs> from our conversation. And yeah, yeah. by the way, that speech by MLK is like um, probably one of the most inspiring speeches ever, no matter who you were. If you actually sit down and listen to what he said, yeah. he is talking about that inclusivity, that that we before me, this world that comes together. And I think um, that that's such an important <laughs> reference point for you, Brad. I love that. I love that you have that. I want to talk a little bit about, about your dream. Um, I know there's a few angles to this, but first, like, what is the dream for um, accessibility by design? What's, what's the dream for the company? There's a couple, um, but I, I want to be a billion dollar uh, enterprise. I want to be a billion dollar industry. And, and, and selfishly, uh, you know, I want to be able to take care of my family and, and, and take care of, you know, my backyard because so many people sacrifice so much to get me to where I am. We talked about the other day, I'm almost 16, gave up everything. My dad walked out and, you know, did all that. I had a stepdad step in. He was 24 years old, you know, and, and took that on and, and raised me as his own. So that's, that became dad. And, you know, my, my wife's family is, you know, really taking me in and, and, and didn't see, you know, the disability before me and, and cherish me and my wife. I mean, well, let's, I, I can't even begin to talk about, you know, some of the sacrifices that are need to made on her end to even date or marry a person with a disability. It's not easy, um, but, but we made it work. And, and so I, I'm so blessed and so grateful to have a team and, and friends and, and family around me that I'm like, I got, I got to make this big so that these people no longer have to worry and my kids don't have to, and, and it gives them something to, to hold on to and, and it gives them hope. And uh, I go back to the hope, but it also gives the disability community hope. You know, you got, those, you got some of those people that are sitting there today and let's be real. Some of them are drinking heavy drugs. Yep. Some of them are, are, are thinking about suicide. They've had a friend commit suicide. You know, they've had people in the community commit suicide. I had a, I had a long-term friend I played hockey with for 10 plus years commit suicide this summer just because he had enough and he felt like he wasn't being heard. Um, so so I do it. I do it for those people. I do it for those people to, you know, they can have my voice. Use me as your as your starting point, your platform. Use me as, as your launching pad. Um, I want to have in the next five years. But as I'll just give you a five-year plan, but I want to hire 500 people with different disabilities to do what I do in all sectors of the province, all sectors of the country, all sectors of the world. Because yes, the states is ahead of us, but they still need to become better. Europe, you know, all that stuff, and and really have different branches of of me, but not me. You know, different people with different disabilities finally having a platform to tell their story. Mm-hmm. And it, in the same sense, in the same aspect, hire, uh, you know, they can now go out and hire and train their own staff and their own problems. It's still a branch of me, disability accessible by design, but it's now their thing. 
they have an opportunity to create their own business within the business, if that makes sense. And, 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 and making sure that they sit, it's not my story that they're sharing when they're training and when they're going into business, they're, they're talking about their story. Because every person with a disability has different stories, whether good, whether bad, whether ugly, somewhere, somewhere in the middle, right? And, and, and that needs to be told, you know, because all of a sudden when you get, you know, 500 different stories, that really starts to open some eyes. And then people start to look around and they go, who is this disability accessible by design? Who is this? Who runs it? What are they doing? How do I get a part of that? Like, and, and let's let's do it. And then I, I guess another another part of that too is, and I never thought of this really until the business started. But my first order of business before the actual business, before the consulting, I just wanted to build a house. Mm-hmm. Where it started. I just wanted to build one house. And the reason being is I got messages all the time. And I'll take you all the way back. I got a friend that's a really, he's a, he's a realtor. He was just up and coming. He's not quite a realtor. He's, he's more of a, a realtor's assistant, I guess. So to okay. speak. And I'm, during COVID, you know, I'm kind of in between things. Not sure where I'm going with the financial industry. It was kind of dying down. I, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just kind of taking time to myself. He phoned me up. I haven't heard from him in, in quite a bit. Phoned me up. He goes, Brad, I got this fully accessible house. I need your help. I need your help selling. I don't know anybody with a disability. You know, I, I don't know anybody with bigger reach than you. You know, all, all this stuff. And, and sorry. And I had the, I had the, uh, I had the media background, so he knew that I can kind of get, you know, reach that way. And, and he goes, we, we need to talk. And Ali, I showed up at the ha- this house. And I wheeled right in. Elevator brought me through the garage, up the stairs, um, wheeled right in. And, and I felt a sense of freedom. I felt mm-hmm. a sense of hope. I felt a sense of belonging. And really, we, we talked about this on the other podcast, but there's so many barriers in life, whether it's going to a coffee shop, restaurant, bar, whatever it may be, walking into this house, barriers were finally gone. And it, it, it finally felt like I could just live my life. I could just be me. I didn't have to be Brad in a wheelchair. I could just be Brad. And I can just, and Jen can just be Jen and take, you know, some of that pressure off of Jen. I can reach the sink. I can, you know, do all that. And she wouldn't have to worry about any of that. And, and I, you know, it, it was crazy because then I came back because I got the media involved in me and I'd never seen anything like it. Like it was a massive house. Guy had uh, uh, MS. It was, uh, he was a construction worker, and as he became sick, as he deteriorated, he actually surrounded himself with a team, had a successful business already in construction. That team actually came together with him. He bought a house next to his parents in the cul-de-sac in St. Albert, tore it down, redid it, fully accessible, everything you can ever imagine was in there. So when I brought Global Edmonton out to the house about a week or two later, I brought my dad. And tears rolled down both of our faces when we walked in the house. And I remember Global Edmonton kind of stopping me and asking me why I was so emotional and why my dad was so emotional. I said, this gives people hope, Mm. community hope that they can own a house. Before, I didn't think it was possible. I thought I would have to live with my parents forever or live in a group home or live in an assisted living facility. 
I didn't know anything like this existed. And it, what, what made me cringe more, I'm not going to call people out, but I met with a city of Edmonton developer, you know, shortly after this. And I said, why don't we have accessible housing? And he goes, well, we do. I said, we do? That's news to me. He goes, yeah, we have 200 units. So, okay, great. So what are they priced at? He goes, well, they're priced at about four or $500,000, upwards to seven to $800,000. And, and I said, well, how do you market them? He goes, I market them as low-income housing or assisted living. Well, and they're all on, you know, not so great neighborhoods in Edmonton. Right. So I, I said, how, who do you know that wants to live on 118th or wants to live somewhere else and they, they want to be known as living in an assisted living facility because maybe they don't need that title and they want to live in a low-income housing. Who wants that title? That doesn't feel good to anybody. That feels dirty, even to me, right? Like I, I get some people need that homeless shelter and whatever, but it's it felt dirty to me. Like, I'm like, eh, no. And then I'm looking, we go back to St. Albert House, they wanted $700,000 for this house. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about you. I don't know anybody in the disabled community unless they've had an accident and got an insurance payout because there is, there is that too. I don't know anybody in the disabled community that has that kind of disposable income sitting around says, yes, I'll buy it. That wasn't. Yeah. So when we, gathered, when, when we sat around with the realtor, sat around with the, 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 the parents of the son because he passed away, unfortunately, um, and they were just looking to sell it. And I said, what if we did a, a, a lottery house? What if we sold tickets and sold this house to someone with a disability, give everybody kind of an equal opportunity chance? And they didn't like that idea. The homeowners wanted it just sold directly. So that's where the, the hope campaign was born. I, I, I went home. Um, you know, I was, I was really disgusted by the way the Edmonton, the city of Edmonton developer talked and how we kind of just pushed it all off and all oh, those people don't matter anyway. Like, that's why we didn't sell them. Like, he just had an attitude about him and that I really didn't like. And he was retired. So kind of that old mindset thinking. And I, I sat down and I said, I don't have millions of dollars sitting around to do this on my own. I said, what if we created a hope campaign? And my wife is sitting there, my team sitting there. Like, what do you mean? I said, okay, let's build this house. That will be the end goal of the year. Let's set a year goal. Let's build the house. I said, but every day leading up to the house or once a week or whatever, I didn't know how we were going to structure it. Let's give away something to get these. Because the, the story in the disabled community is a lot of people feel stuck. They feel trapped. They're in their house. They can't go out because it's a world not designed for us. You know, we really have to adapt. So giving away stuff, it was going to give these people an opportunity to get out. You know, giving away gift cards to restaurants and bars. One, it's going to drive business to those places. And, and we wanted to make sure it was a place that already worked with us or agreed to work with us because they were becoming accessible or on, mm-hmm. the path, on the path to do so, right? So again, driving that business, giving them the love, giving them, yay, you support us, we'll support you type thing. Uh, supporting local too, COVID was a huge thing. So wanted to get back. I teamed up with a ramp company. I said, how cool would it be to, to have a, a person – you know, a custom ramp built for that person, you know, dimensions, whatever, all taken care of, we'll build a ramp, give away a couple a year, right? But we'll do a couple. 
Um, I, you know, I'm an early season ticket owner, so I vouched to, you know, to give away a, a game or two a year, you know, wh- whatever that was, we'll give away a game. The Elks uh, football team caught wind of what we're doing. They're like, hey, we want to get involved. Let's give away tickets. So they want to, they want to give away tickets and do that. And so, so we'll do a giveaway that way. And we wanted it to be something obtainable, something that like you're, you're not leaving anybody out. So we can just give it away and they can go have fun. They can go enjoy their life. And again, it comes back to seeing the ability before the disability. That's what yeah. I was, you know, I, I wanted them to get out in the world and not feel stuck in their house. So for 364 days, we want to do that. Now we're structuring it in a sense of we're going to give away one a day, but we're going to meet everybody at the end of the week at a mutual location and then give it away. So it's not, it can still, you know, time consuming for me and my team and, and everybody else. So, so we're going to do that. And then, uh, and then I looked and I said, well, on day 365, we want to go out with a bank and I want to build a fully accessible house, all the bells and whistles. We're not, this ain't going to just be barrier free. We're going to go above and beyond that universal design. Universal is it's it really, and this bothers me. Universal design is a recommendation in building code. It's not a, standard it's not a thing and this universal design is really where they go above and beyond that barrier free and they include everybody deaf blind not just wheelchair users everybody gets thought of in this universal design clause and because barrier free if you look up the definition of barrier free it's a barrier free means of entry with no barriers but i know if you've been to a restaurant lately most restaurants have an accessible bathroom but no button on the door to open that bathroom. So technically, that's a barrier. The door is a barrier of entry. It's not. It's barrier-free, but it's not barrier-free. If you get yeah. my bridge. So yeah. we, we need to do better. So for me, this was also a, a, a way to build a, this house, fully accessible, above, above code, go above and beyond. And all of a sudden, I wanted people to see this. And they're like, oh. This is the standard we should start building houses. This is the standard we should start designing buildings. This is a standard, like, just start to hold people more accountable, building it better, right, safer. And, and I wanted to build something where I don't care if you're 80 years old, I don't care if you're, you got kids that are 10, that's something that they can grow into. If they don't want to go to an old folks home, they don't need to, because it's there. It's if they, I, I got grandparents that don't want to go to an old folks home. They've been in that house for 50 years. They want to die there. Yeah. Hey, if, if you want that option, here you go. Right? If, whatever. Right? It's, it's there. So we want to do that year after year after year after year. I think that that is amazing. Um, I have a couple questions. <laughs> what do you foresee, like, the the size of this house, the capacity of this house. Is this a single person dwelling? Is this a, is this a, like a full size house you're thinking of building? What's your vision for that? Full size house. Full size house. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. And we, we've also explored the idea of of building a apartment stop where there's 10 10 units. So we, we've explored that as well. Um, I think we've explored the idea of having you know, four or five or six smaller houses, like independent living still, but also just in case, maybe building a nurse's station on the land 
and they can still have access. If someone needs a nurse, never mind your group home, never mind this, you're still independent enough to live on your own, but there's something there just in case. So whether that gets incorporated in the apartment style living or whatever, and this is not something, here's the other thing that bothered me about when, when we talked about the developer, about this low income housing and all this stuff, is they were segregated. They were segregated in their kind of own little area. It was, oh, this is a low income housing kind of corner or neighborhood and like nobody wanted to go there, right? No, this ain't gonna be segregated. This is going to be smack dab right in the middle of the community, right in the middle of wherever, Southwest Edmonton, St. Albert, Millwoods, Spruce Grove, right in the middle. There's not going to be a, oh, that's the accessible housing committee over there. No, it's going to be smack dab right in the middle. Your your neighbor could have an accessible house, whatever the case may be. This needs to be integrated, a community project. People see in it, people believe in it, and they're like, hey, that's a great idea. Right, and we're we're going to do this year after year. And I want I want a house. The end goal. I want a house in every major city across Canada. I'd love to build a cul-de-sac of houses. So whatever that may be, not a separate community, still built in, but maybe there's a couple, right? And I want I want this to go worldwide. I want the whole campaign to be worldwide. I want to build a build a house in every because there's going to be somebody in Calgary. Somebody in Vancouver, somebody here that sees this and they go, wait a minute, maybe it's not me doing it, but it's a brand for me doing it. And we go out and help them. And now we're, and, and you just got to think the big picture. All of a sudden you build a thousand of these things, both standalone houses and condominiums or whatever. Think of the people you're helping. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's where my brain's going. Think of the yeah. people you're touching. Think of the impact within the community yeah not just a disabled community now these these aren't just for people in wheelchairs either deaf blind we're, we're talking about physical mental and invisible we're talking about seniors again those seniors that don't want to go to that assisted living some can move into here right and just a bigger picture and guess what i think it's going to bring more money to these communities too it's mm-hmm. you, think of a, you think of a bigger picture from a municipality side of things, all of a sudden, maybe you're in St. Albert. Let's just say, I know for a fact St. Albert has a couple, but let's just say St. Albert has nothing. Somebody wants to move out to St. Albert because they love the community, they love the people. It's a little bit older, it's a little bit more mature, it's a little bit established. They want to move out there, but they have nothing. So me and my team go out there. Yeah, that's our hope campaign spot. Boom, we find some land, find a developer to do it, home builder, whatever. Get behind the mission, get behind the vision. And all of a sudden, you build one and people start to come. They go, wait a minute, I want one. I yeah. want one. I want one. And then guess what happens? Spruce Grove, St. Albert, whatever it is, they all of a sudden, they attract new people. They attract more people because they're now an accessible city, not just housing, but rec centers, whatever. And it just... It, it brings more money and it brings more people and it brings more attention to your town or your city. And I don't think there's a, there's a lose lose there. I really think it's a win-win situation. So yeah. Okay. So I have a few questions there for somebody who's really starting. You're obviously really starting to understand construction, you know, all, all of these things yeah. that go yeah. into this, yeah. how, how do we make these accessible houses affordable? 
like, but not, you know what I mean? Not in like shitty areas. How do we, how do we do this in a way that becomes approachable so that it can be mainstream? Do you have some recommendations around that? Have you been thinking about that? I've, I've thought about it. Yeah. And, and I think that's the challenge uh, that, yeah. that is the challenge of making it affordable. Um, you know, cause, cause when you start to one, we'll start with one, uh, one, it's, it is cheaper to build rather than retrofit. So if you already okay. have house and so that's what I'm saying is let's just build something. It is cheaper up front. Yes. The accessible features cost a bit more, but you need to understand that long-term you're also not going to do maintenance on it because it's already there. When you're, you moved into this house at 30 years old, you're 85 now. Well, the bars, the bars in your bathroom are already there because we thought about it 30 years ago, right? Or yeah. we thought about it 20 years ago. This is not something now at 85 that you need to go, shit, I need bars in my bathroom. And now here's an extra couple grand you're dropping. So you sink this money up front. You do it right. And, and long-term, I think it pays for itself. So even, I mean, my, my goal is to, like, I, I, let's be honest, I've mapped out a couple projects with the land and the house. So we were working at, a, at doing a, a complex of 10 units. It's going to cost me almost 2 million bucks right. and do it. But, and that's, uh, that was for me, again, I'm not making any money off of it. This is, this is just giving back because for me, at 2 million bucks, that works out to almost $200,000 a unit. Now, that's way below the cost of living in Edmonton. You're looking at an average house right now, it's anywhere between four and five, depending on your neighborhood, depending where oh, you yeah. live. Some could be higher, some could be a bit lower, but, but you know, that's your medium, your average between four and 450 to five. So, you know, if, I, if we can keep it within that ballpark or a little bit lower, I mean, that's, that would be great. And I, I think ideally too, I wanted this to be a, a kind of a, a charity style home. So people would nominate people. So I wanted to get the land donated the best I can. Maybe not every year, because maybe we get going and hey, let's just buy land and do this. Because every year I think is a, a large ask for you know one one land company or development company. Maybe if you go to a couple, they're like, Yeah, you know what? I'll I'll subsidize your next five or or whatever it is, and that'd be great. Um, then you got home builders that are willing to donate X amount of tools and 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 guys, um, but but then it comes down to I want these people to maybe we maybe we can figure out a way to maybe a bank or BMO or, or whatever that looks like. Maybe somebody comes along, they go, you know what? I want to take care of this person's mortgage. You look at I, I look at the example of like extreme makeover home edition. The, mm -hmm. the similar to that, maybe maybe they maybe they take on a mortgage or maybe a company will. We'll take on the risk and be like, I see the value in this. It needs to happen. Let's maybe knock down the mortgage. So let's make it more affordable for this person to work within your means. Because you got to understand most people with disabilities are either on government support of some kind. So, you know, kind of work with them and work within their within their means to do that. It's, it's kind of a juggling act of still trying to figure that part out as we go. Um, that, I think that's going to be the hardest part. Is to do that, but I think if when we figure out a way, um, you know, that uh, a meaningful way to do that, because I don't want to build a house that's seven hundred thousand dollars on the side. Yeah, here's a mortgage, and that person, that person can't afford that mortgage, right? So, or maybe it's maybe it's you're building a house, you're raising funds on top of that house for, 
You know, maybe there's a an extra piece to that, and that money all of a sudden goes to that person's mortgage. So maybe we raise just a I'm shooting big here, but maybe we raise a million bucks. So the house is five hundred thousand. Just take care of you know take care of that, and then the rest would go to your mortgage and take care of everything else. So yeah. that's kind of, that's kind of the idea. The idea is that community the community comes together. You yeah. know, non non disabled people see the value, see the 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 value in both doing good and doing right by your community, and 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 but but also seeing the value of having these houses in your community. What this can do, the money this brings, whatever it may be, and and enough people just jump on and hey, let's let's go take care of it. Let's go do it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think like what you're talking about, um, bringing this awareness, even just to the whole campaign is huge. Um, yeah, yeah, it's huge, right? Because here's the thing, and we've kind of already had this conversation, but like so many people just don't know, right? They just don't know if you haven't experienced a disability in your life yet. <laughs> we understand that it's probably a yet. Um, but you don't, you don't really know, right? And so to find a way to connect somehow, to learn, to share stories, to um, run a campaign like this brings awareness, it brings empathy, it brings consideration, it brings openness, right? And I think all of those things are so important to bringing humans together, right? So, and then, and then you add the uh, the added element of, okay, let's get the media involved, let's let's pull this up because it needs to, you know, that attention. But you add the element of maybe having people, you know, nominate someone in the community that they know is disabled or they know a family struggling or whatever. And then you get that story public. And then people, maybe people can't always attach to my story. So then they attach to a little boy story that's 10 years old. Or you look at Ben Stelter, he was, you know, captured by the Oilers, you know, the Oilers community and family. That was incredible with just the short time that he was able to, to do what he did. It was different, but kind of, we want that similar impact when, when yeah. you're telling and people get behind that and they go, yes, yes, yeah. I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. And, and, and in, in an indirect way without actually doing it, not on purpose, but with, within doing all this on top of my business and what we're doing in the consulting world and then building a whole campaign, you're indirectly creating a storm of education and awareness, and you got it in people's faces in every angle. And, and it's going to be hard to avoid, and people are going to be like, wait a minute, this is a movement that I'm jumping on, and let's go. Yeah. And Because, Ali, I'll take it back to, you look at, you look at Black Lives, and I mean, I mean this with all due respect, okay? You you look at Black Lives Matter. You look at the Indigenous people. You look at the you look at all these other minorities. Okay, they all had something bad happen to them in order for change to be made. You know, the Indigenous people. We finally started talking about these graves. They've been around forever, but people just finally started to talk about them, and we created this awareness. We created this education, and people are like, oh my God, that's not right. Even non-Indigenous people were like, wait a minute. What yep. the hell is going on? We created this yep. awareness. Black Lives Matter. Unfortunately, George Floyd died. That happened with George Floyd. You know, and, and I don't like a lot of the circumstances around it, but you look at that and they go, wait a minute. Non, non-colored people now, people like me, white people, all, all these other 
they're like, that's not right. We need to stand up for that. That's not cool, right? Like, let's, how do we help these people? How do we create awareness? How do we create education? It's the same thing with the disabled community. Whether we like it or not, the disabled community is the largest minority outside of race on the planet. And guess who doesn't have a seat at the table? The disabled community. So that, that changes now. And that's why I'm here. It's to be that voice. Create that movement. Create that, that all of a sudden that needle, that needle gets moved. And then what happens is somebody sees me, a little boy, a little girl, whatever it is. Somebody sees me. Somebody. It only takes one. Somebody sees what we're doing and like, that's what I want to do when I grow up. That's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Because maybe I don't see it come to fruition in my lifetime. Maybe. I'm, I'm hopeful that, that I can create something that, that I will be able to see the fruits of my labor, so to speak. But maybe it's maybe it won't. And my kids or somebody else sees that and they're like, he paved the way. He did it. I got to carry that legacy. You look at these jerseys on the wall. I look at, up at them every day. That's my source of inspiration. But I can never be Gretzky. I can never be Elway. I can never be Bobby Orr. I need to be me. So when when I want little boys or little girls to look up on their wall one day, and maybe they got a jersey of me, be like, I'm here or I'm doing what I'm doing because of him. He didn't quit. He didn't stop. He he spoke up when when others told him to be quiet and just wait his turn and, and stay in his place. I mean, hey, somebody's got to do it. If, 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 if somebody... If, it should have been done. But for 29 years, I sat around, hopefully waiting, that maybe the government would cool in. But no. So God put me here for a reason. Again, not to get religious. I'm not religious. But that's my reason. That's my purpose, is to create something bigger than just me and even bigger than just my community because it's time that we start to stop looking at people just with their disabilities and start seeing the abilities, start seeing some superpowers. There are some special people in this community and in this world that need to shine. I 100% agree with you. Brad, this is like big stuff you're talking about, like big stuff, right? And some people don't even realize these big uh, of dreams or as big of a purpose in their life. What I know about this from working with like other entrepreneurs and leaders is that when you, you're, you're tapped, um, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot to stay inspired. So I'm curious what keeps you inspired? What keeps your energy up? What keeps you moving towards this every single day? Life to, to, to keep it, you know, keep it simple. You know, it's, I, I'm tired of the challenges around me, you know, going to going to a restaurant, going to a bar, going to a coffee shop that I can't get I can't get into. I'm like, it just feels me to like I'm clearly not making enough change. I'm clearly, you know, and I I I come back to the next generation. I don't want these people, my people, to struggle like I did. I, when I die or whatever it may be, I want the next generation to, it's a smooth sailing to get go get coffee. It's a smooth sailing to go to the beach. They don't have to think twice of these things. It becomes 
normal. We need to make this normal. Because right now, let's be real, it's not normal. And it needs, you know, and, and that that's what fires me up. That's what puts my two feet on the ground every day before I get in my chair is I got to do it, not for me. I got to do it for we. Because yeah. I, I just talked about, it. if I'm not going to do it, it might take another 29 years mm-hmm. for somebody to think of something. So I need to cultivate something. I need to, to, to spark a fire somewhere, somehow, that collectively we create change. And, and I won't stop until, it, it's, until it's done. Like this, this stuff for me is not work. I don't, you, you talk about getting tapped out. I, I got ways to, you know, I go and I visualize. I got mentors that I can go and talk to. I go to hockey games. That kind of, you know, gets me, I'm a, I'm a huge sports nut. So that gets me away. I can throw on Netflix. That kind of gets me out of the zone for a minute. But I, it's not work to me. I love mm-hmm. it. You know, it, 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 I, it kind of, it, it feeds me. When I wake up and I'm like, man, I'm not feeling good or I'm not this or I'm not that. But I go down the street and I go to a, to a restaurant or I go somewhere that I can't get into. I'm like, I got work to do. I got work to do. We got work to do. And then when, when I don't want to do it anymore, I look back and I, or all I got to do is open my phone. The messages, the daily messages that I get from our community across this country. I got people in Ontario wanting to help. I got people in Saskatchewan wanting to help. And I'm like, I got to do it because these guys want to help me. Well, they see the need, right? They're experiencing, I mean, not exactly the same, but they're experiencing what you're experiencing in some ways, right? I get get people with different disabilities all the time. They're like, thank you for doing what you're doing. You don't need to thank me. Let's just go do it together. I I want to make this so duplicatable that again, we got an army. Because to me, it's not a movement. It's a lifestyle. In a roundabout way, I hope that helps. But I mean, yeah, no. that's, that's how I get fired up. And I'm fired up to, to do stuff like this and, and, and help you out and get my message out. And I, I'm just, I'm grateful and blessed to, to be alive. For me, it's I, 24 hours to live to, to 29 years. I mean, I could be here and be gone tomorrow. So, I mean, I, I, need to, I need to make a mark and... Uh, this is how I choose to do it. Totally. I think it comes across. I mean, I hope the listener hears it. It comes across to me that you're like, you're, you get like fired up because you're talking and you're passionate about what you're talking about. And that is so incredibly important. And that's when work doesn't become work and when it becomes our passion and our purpose and our reason for being here. And I think that's a really beautiful thing to be in the presence of, you know, for anybody. And that's why people see you, Brad, and they're like, Hey, thank you. Because you are showing them not only that you can be an advocate, that you can get out there and you can you can speak, um, but also that you're super passionate. Like it it comes right across. So so I hope you know that, and <laughs> I'm sure you do. But like it really does. Like you are bringing that, and I think I think that's so important when you talk about getting the message out, creating a movement, creating campaigns like Hope. It's going to require that that connection to that purpose to really make those things happen right and, and you know Allie, i go back to my parents you know i i wouldn't be here without them they're you know the the morals and the the, the stuff that they instilled in me and 
And my, that's a huge source of my inspiration. Obviously, my wife and, and what she's endured and, and went through and going together. Um, but but I look back to like my mom was 16 and told that I wasn't disabled enough and on her own and single and 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 no help. And I look and I'm like, I we we gotta get to a point where those 16-year-olds that are having children or are doing that and feel left out have somewhere to phone. They have resources. Maybe that resource is us. You're not, you're not going to the government. You're coming to me. I want to be my people's government. We're not going to rely on anybody else anymore. They're, they just want to put you in a box. Shut up, be quiet, sit here, live your life and die. Because that's, that's what they think we do. No. I have built, Brad has built a box that, that can fit 2 billion people in it if it needs to. And let's go to work. Yeah. And let's build a world that's inclusive, that's accessible for all, that we can all have fun together. We can all share a room together. Nobody's, we're not looking down on somebody. We're, we, somebody can't get into the room because there's three steps. Like all of a sudden building code changes, you know, national code changes. And it just takes stress off everything. We need to, we need to put pressure on the guys that, that make these decisions and make sure that they, they feel the heat from guys like me. Because on the other side, if I wanted to run for mayor, if I wanted to run for prime minister, they were going to take away everything I, I ever had. All my funding, all my government, all my government support, all of it. All, just because I wanted to run. It was going to take me five years or longer to get it back. Even if, I, I don't even know if I'd get it back. So, wow. We went, we went this road instead, and, uh, and hopefully enough people jump on board to because this train's moving. <laughs> I love it. That's great. I love it so much. Um, just as an aside, I want to shift gears for a minute. You already told me the story, but I love it, and I think it's super cool. You're a big sports fan. You've already mentioned that, and you have this signed Elway jersey behind you. Yeah. I just think it's such a great story. You want to share this story as we wrap up the podcast today because it's so good. <laughs> Absolutely. I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, we, we we talk about being blessed and, and, yeah. and right place, right time, and, and just, you know, circumstances and, and surrounding yourself with the right people. I ran a sports podcast about, you know, for a long time, about 15 years, and I was searching for a guest, searching for a guest. We were at, we were at a low point, and I, I got my own guest, so I was active on Twitter and, and social media, and I reached out to this girl named Stacia Robitaille, and I thought maybe it was a sister or you know, a, a sibling of Luke Grobatai, the LA Kings. So I reached out, told her my story. Um, and this lady actually phoned me. Like Stacia phoned me the next day. We had a three-hour conversation of like her life, her impact. Like she was like my my second mother. Like it just fantastic. Yes, Luke will come on your show. Luke came on the show. We kind of hit it off. They run a charity down in LA called Echoes of Hope. They help emancipated and foster youth go to college. They pay for books, backpacks, you know, all, all that stuff. And uh, they tremendous organization down there. Um, it, it started originally uh, due to Hurricane Katrina. They were actually down down in that area and, and giving back and wanting to really rebuild. So um, they, they really started to help the, the youth in, in L.A. and the inner city. And it's been fantastic. So they, they brought me down to really speak to their youth. And I didn't know I'm speaking. I thought I'm speaking at a conference center. I actually spoke in their living room. I'm mm-hmm. in I'm in the robotized living room 
like about a year later after the after we met in California and Santa Monica, they picked me up. I got wine and dine, and I stayed at their house. I stayed in their guest house. We had Thanksgiving dinner. I got to meet all the youth, and it, it was such a fantastic experience. And then when I, I went back a second time, they do a poker tournament. So I missed it the first time, so I, I knew I wanted to come back. I, I did a poker tournament, and I, I was saying, we weren't going to stay with them this time because they, they had relatives in town. So I booked a hotel and everything else, and I remember Luke phoning me up, and uh, the first time we went down, I remember he phoned me and goes, Brad, my favorite band's in town. We got to go see them. I said, who's your favorite band? He goes, Guns N' Roses. So the first time we went down, our first ever trip, we actually went and seen Guns N' Roses with Luke and Stacia Robitaille. He's got this leather jacket. Like, it was just an incredible experience. So he phoned me again. He goes, Brad, your favorite team's in town. I said, the Oilers? Like, what? He, goes, he goes, no, you're a Broncos fan, right? I said, yeah. He goes, they play the Chargers in L.A. And because uh, the Chargers had just moved from San Diego to L.A. And he goes, would you want to go to the game? I said, yeah, I'd love to go. Um, so I showed up. We showed up in the owner's box and the Chargers. And great time. He told me not to put my jersey on yet. And then I got the clearance about midway through to throw on my brand new L.A. jersey. I just bought it. Um, and then I, you know, we're, we're, my wife's inside getting food and, and all this stuff. And. She was in on this whole thing, apparently. Um, but I get a tap on my shoulder about five minutes left in the game, and I thought I was being ejected. I thought they were throwing me out of the arena. I go, how do I explain this to Luke and Stacey Robotop? Oh, my God. I, what, what have I done? I'm so embarrassed. Do you want me to take the jersey off? Like, what, what's going on? And uh, they led me down a private elevator, put me in this media room. I got to watch the end of the game. The Broncos won by a field goal uh, last second. And then he goes, follow me. I have no idea still. Um, we go out, out of this room, and the entire Bronco team came by because uh, the dressing room was right there. And I got to fist pump the entire team. I'm getting thrown like gloves. And uh, Vaughn Miller, unfortunately, was last year in Denver, but he's my favorite player, uh, current player. So I got to meet him. He signed his gloves, and he, he intercepted with. He had a couple sacks that game. So just incredible. And then all of a sudden, John Elway comes around the corner. And, and they set all this up for me. Uh, and, and John Elway comes up and he goes, Brad, I'm, I'm so, it's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, you can see on my shoulder, that's me and him in LA. And, and he signed my jersey. We got to talk a little bit. And uh, he actually invited us down. And then COVID hit. He invited us to Denver. I've never seen a game in Denver. Uh, we're gonna go, we were, we were going to golf with Elway and all this stuff too. It's going to be fantastic. And then, of course, COVID hit. So hopefully uh, within the next couple of years, we can we can uh, reconnect and, uh, and do that again. But again, it's just about associations. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the robotized for me are not just, that's not the president and, and hockey operations of the Kings. This is not a, you know, Stacia robotized. She was in, uh, you know, movies and, and written books. And she's not, they're, they're, they're friends. They're mentors. Yeah. That's, that's what people see them as. But we, we really got to see them on a personal level. And, and it was just, it was fantastic. And I'm, I'm truly blessed and, and honored and privileged to uh, to call them friends. Such yeah, such a cool story. I love it. Elway's just such a legend. <laughs> when I first met you and you had that, I was like, okay, yeah, I can't even talk to you. Tell me, tell me this story yeah, <laughs> of this jersey I, I, behind I, I, you, <laughs> which is so amazing. Anyhow, Brad, you have had um, you've just brought so much light to this podcast, and I'm I'm super grateful for you being here and for you sharing your story and your experiences. And um, I think maybe as we wrap it up, 
I think a good um, wrap up is to let listeners know, I think A, where they can find you and B, how they can get involved in the hope campaign, because I know that's what's going to start running, right? So like, if people listen to this, and they're like, this is really interesting, I'd love to get involved. How can they do that? How can they how can they help you out with this? Well, I'm, I'm first off, I'm a very public guy. It's, uh, it's hard to miss me. Just uh, find me on, on Facebook, Brad Barco, Instagram, Brad Inspires. Um, you can you can look up our website, www.disabilityadd.com, um, disabilityabd on Instagram as well. And, uh, and, and it, so that, that's kind of how you can connect with me and connect with us. Uh, add us to your, to your newsletter as well. We'll be, we'll be sending out updates. So email, um, add your email to the, the watch list or whatever. And actually our, our hope campaign part of the website actually launches at this week. We were just kind of putting the finishing touches because the hope campaign officially launches January 1st. So we'll give away our first item that week. And so we got a couple months to kind of get things together and, and get things in order. Um, but hey, anybody that wants to come swing a hammer, come build a house, you know, wants to volunteer to give away things. They want to, you know, volunteer their time. They want to, you know, volunteer in whatever way. We're always looking for people uh, on a volunteer basis for now. Uh, there will be paid positions as we move forward, but uh, volunteer obviously for now. And, and we just love to build this community together and have as many voices and as many people from all walks of life uh, stand with us and really, uh, really see this dream uh, come to life and uh, just make the world a better place. I love it. It's beautiful. Um, as we wrap it up, is there any last words you'd like to leave with the listeners? Uh, I'm, I'm fired up and excited to, to get to work and, uh, and do what we need to do to uh, one step closer to create a, a better world. And I, I got to thank you for you know, giving, obviously creating a platform for not only me, but for many others and uh, i'm excited to hope we connect with uh, obviously you off off again and and hopefully we can we can put something together for for the hope campaign and get you involved um but but i'd love to you know, connect with your listeners and connect with whoever um, and the more the more people that jump on board the better and, and it's we're just going to make the world again truly a better place and i'm just again blessed privileged honored and i can't i uh, can't wait to get going Thank you so much for listening. It's been an honor sharing this podcast with you. If you like it, share it with a friend. We're always made stronger by supporting one another. And if you'd like to learn more about The Inspired Leader, you can find me at theinspiredleader.com, The Inspired Leader on Facebook, Instagram, Stone underscore underscore, A-L-L-Y, and LinkedIn at Allie Stone. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to connect.